Hey besties, it's Elizabeth here. Let's talk for a minute, shall we? I don't know about you, but something about a clean house just makes me feel super calm. Maybe it's the fresh smells. Maybe it's knowing that it's not going to be chaos in a wreck for 15 minutes. But if you're like me, you are constantly looking for cleaning and household products that are ethical, safe, and not full of all of those super harsh chemicals. And that's where Grove Collaborative comes in. They're a new partner of ours, and they have ethical and cruelty-free brands such as Mrs. Myers and Method. Not only do they have cleaning products, but they also sell beauty products, health products such as vitamins, and even stuff for the kids like sunscreen, shampoo. And they're also in the process of reducing their plastic use and switching to glass. So not only are they trying to give you products that are safe for your family, but they're trying to save the planet. You can help support the show as well as get items you already need by going to grove.pxf.io slash horrendous. And by using this link, not only do you help support our show, but you're also going to get stuff that you already need. And then you'll get yourself a free Mrs. Myers gift set with a $30 purchase. And the best part of all is that you're not stuck with some monthly commitment. So go to grove.pxf.io slash horrendous to get your free Mrs. Myers gift set with your $30 purchase today. Thanks, besties. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to Horrendous, a Best Friends podcast. As always, this is Elizabeth. Not joining me today is COVID. Awesome. But but in the in the booth opposite me across the country in California is my best friend, not named COVID, <laughs> Callie. I can see how you could get the two confused. COVID, Callie. COVID, Callie. They're, they're a virus you can't get rid of. <laughs> wow. That was really mean. I, I take it back. You are the gift that keeps on giving. And COVID sucked. So let me just tell you. So for those of you who heard our last episode, and I sounded like an 85-year-old lady who smokes eight packs a day, what I thought was possibly seasonal allergies, um, nope, decided it was best to take a COVID test. And what what would, what do you know? COVID was our special guest. Our super surprise special guest. Yeah, our super surprise guest last week. Uh, COVID-19, thank you. Thank you for joining us last week. <laughs> oh, it was Last a, episode. Yeah, two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Yeah, and I feel bad because before we started recording that episode, I heard Elizabeth's voice like first thing Callie. I said. <laughs> Do you have COVID? I'm like, no, it's, it's, I think it's seasonal allergies. No, a bitch had COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have not had COVID that I know of. But I was testing like crazy because everyone says it starts with your throat itching. And my throat has been itching for like four weeks now. Mine wasn't an itch, more of a, I kind of, I felt like I had strap. Okay. So it felt like glass. Yes. Okay. I have so had strep. I was either, I was torn between seasonal, seasonal allergies and strep. 
between COVID and strep, I would have really rather had strep. And yeah. my my symptoms weren't that bad. I had the cough and the congestion and the sore throat. And I was a little bit tired, but like other than that, like no problems. Then my the next day, my son tested positive. This little booger only had a, a run had a runny nose the entire time. <laughs> he had COVID. So the day after that, wouldn't you know, my daughter wakes up and says, I feel like I've been hit by a truck. My throat hurts. I feel like I've been punched in the face. Do a swab. Wouldn't you know? Positive for COVID. So I'm looking at my husband. I'm like, I didn't realize I would ever say this, but we need to protect you at all costs because you're our only source to the outside world right now. And so... Goddess, bless my husband, old gods and new. Bless Matt for being our our guide to the outside world, getting us the groceries and making sure we didn't die. Yeah. Poor guy had to sleep on the couch. Does he even fit on the couch? Barely. Okay. Barely fits. And... Not that he's fat. He's very tall. No, it's, he's very long. Um, my husband is 6'4", so yeah, very interesting seeing him sleeping on a couch. He finally, it was the final night I was supposed to be, like, isolating. He said, I can't do this. I have to sleep in the bed. And thankfully, like, that day, like, he had been at work, and so I had already washed, like, all the sheets and stuff. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, fine, you know, I'll let you have the bed. I'm like, I'm going to go sleep on the couch because I I didn't want to risk it and I was not sleeping with a fucking mask on. Yeah. And so I slept on the couch for a few nights so he could have the bed. I feel like there was a permanent indentation in my bed from where I was sitting. <laughs> um, watched a lot of TV. But none of that's important because Callie finally watched Stranger Things and – I, we, I, I specifically asked them to save it for the podcast because I need to, I need I need to know I need to know and apparently there's a very constru- controversial opinion I didn't cry at all <laughs> not even the end where Hopper comes back and she says I left the door open three inches that didn't make you feel things that really it hit made me. That- me- Feel things, but I that didn't made, cry. That really, that made me really just. The end of season not, three I, was what killed me. Like really? I was a freaking mess when she was reading the letter from Hopper. Oh yeah, it that killed was, yeah, me. Yeah, I cried watching that too. But did so, you enjoy Eddie though? Like. You didn't enjoy Eddie. It's not okay. that it's not that I didn't enjoy him. I just didn't see the I don't see the appeal because he wasn't in it for like the first four or five episodes, like barely in it. So I'm like, why are people so attached to this guy? I like I him just was... fine. I just don't understand why he's everyone's favorite. I think it was the way he treated Dustin. I think it was that he saw Dustin for who he was and he didn't try to get Dustin to be 
something other than he wasn't. And especially that scene, he's like telling him when he tells him, like, Dustin Henderson, don't ever change. Yeah. "Ah." And then so now the new thing is, I know you don't have TikTok. Yeah. But. No. uh, The new thing is people showing the clip from Lord of the Rings of uh, Boromir playing with Merry and Pippin and all the other hobbits. Mm -hmm. And then showing the clip of. Dustin and Eddie rolling around. And it's just like, eh. um, but you have no soul. So I, I think the part that I did get like teary eyed in is whenever Dustin was talking to Eddie's to his uncle. uncle, which I think was really powerful because yes, you and I grew up in a small town. We've talked about this. At length in various different episodes of this show. Yes. And growing up in a small town like that, because, yeah, Hawkins had a mall for like a second. But Hawkins, <laughs> by all accounts, is not a big city. It's a, it's a small town. You yes. were led to assume. It seems like it's the kind of town where everybody knows everybody. We grew up in that kind of town. So I could honestly see... Minus the supernatural element of that all, I could, which you never know what's in those lead mines, okay? Right. There could be a Demi Gorgon hiding somewhere in the lead mines. I don't know. There's that chemical plant past Church Street. Oh, yeah, there is. Listen, okay, anyway. <laughs> I could see something like that happening in our small town that we grew up in. Uh, specifically because we've talked about this before like and this is not us bashing our small town and i know there might be a couple people from our town that listen like this is not us bashing it it's a statement of fact like if you think about north county junior high circa 2000 you had people who dressed differently (laughs) I, I'm trying to, like, okay, so you had your Hot Topic mall goss, okay? Callie was one. <laughs> and you and you guys got bullied and picked on. Like... It wasn't that bad, though. No, but I'm just saying, like, you could see something like that happen. Oh, yeah. And if you were different, like, for fuck's sake, we had people who were literally telling anybody who read Harry Potter that it was the devil's work, okay? <laughs> And I'm not going to say who by name. I can't guess. I'll text it to you. Well, I'm going to text Hold it on. to you and you tell me if it was I'm, I'm going to text you who I my guess is. Okay. No, surprisingly. Oh. That was my guess. You, I could see that, but that's who it was. <gasps> really? Yeah. Damn. Yes. Okay. That it was devil, it was witchcraft and devil work. Wow. I thought I was right. (laughs) I mean, I could see you being right. But anyway, and it just, the other reason it was very powerful for that conversation to happen was that if you're a Stranger Things fan and if you're a true crime aficionado, I'm not going to call it fan because it sounds kind of gross. (laughs) Um, if you are interested in true crime, then you know the story of the West Memphis Three. 
And yeah, that which I didn't. Okay, <laughs> I had to look it up. Okay, but no. So if you are a fan of Stranger Things, and if you are interested in true crime, and if you listen to any true crime podcast, then you know that Eddie Munson is. You probably know by now at this point. Eddie Munson is loosely based on Damien Eccles of the West Memphis Three. So, and he was very much persecuted. Same kind of thing as Eddie Munson into D and D. Listened to metal was just a different kind of person, and because of that, he was accused of brutally murdering children because of his devil worship. And so, I, yeah, that's why it was very powerful to me and. That that part made me cry a lot, too. But point that my husband so gently brought up earlier when I was talking to Brady, because Brady asked me to watch Steel Magnolias with her. I said, do you, mm. I said, do you want to cry your eyes out? She said, why? I said, it's a very sad movie. And Matt says, well, to be fair, your mom cries about everything. True. But Steel Magnolias is very sad. Yeah. It's like when I watch Beaches for the first time. I'm like, no, this is going to be a good, feel-good movie. And then the end happened. I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Or my mom banishing me to the basement and not letting me up until I watched The King and I. Oh, that's so sad. By myself. Sorry. I watched it. I came upstairs. I was like still in St. Louis. So I was like five. Mm-hmm. And I just had tears coming down my face. And I looked my mom straight in the eyes and said, why didn't you tell me he died? And I'm just crying. And she's like, nobody told me he died. So tracks. Your so you're forcing it that. on me. <laughs> Love you, mom. Love you, Leanne, but you're you're a tough cookie. <laughs> so, oh, also in my defense, I watched all of season four except for the first episode in one day, and the last episode was two and a half hours, and I was kind of burnt out at that point. <laughs> I say that's just a lack of dedication on your part. I finished it though. Yeah, I didn't wait. But you didn't watch it immediately when you got home from work and stayed up past midnight to make sure you got both episodes in and sat in your living room and cried in the dark like a crazy person that's dedication i was up until like 2 30 in the morning watching it because i had to wait for keely to go to bed and then he woke up excuse me i'm so sorry yeah, you're already bored. It's fine. No, I'm just going to say I went to lunch today with a friend from my old job and had. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? I have, what do you, I have I, friends. I'm your friend. You are. You are the best friend. <laughs> I have other friends. As You're not allowed. Well, I thought you had other friends, too. I thought that we had an understanding that while our Did relationship is the most important. We're allowed to have other friends. I didn't get that memo, okay, but go I ahead. I apologize. Um, I had a mimosa and two sangrias at lunch. And then I was cooking dinner and Matt said, hey, do you want a high noon? 
I said, why? And he's like, so I'm going to go outside and get one for me. Do you want one? And so, so yeah, so that's the reason for the yawning. Look at you. Ooh, yum. I'm loving that. This is an audio medium. Um, I just holding up, up a bottle of vodka. And a can of Polar Pop seltzer. And... Uh, Tart cherry limeade. Ooh, yes. So Callie's making their own homemade seltzer. High noons. Yeah. <laughs> I love that journey for you. So what are we, speaking of a journey, what journey are we going on today? You'll know very soon. Oh. Because is this, okay, first I have a question. Is this the story you told me that you were going to be pissed at me if I did it before you? Yes. Okay. I think I might know. Because you dropped a clue. You said ghost slash true crime. I said, I said murder haunting. That's what it was. So I feel like I might know, but I don't know. You might dark horse me and pull something out that I am going to be like, ah, like Roanoke. So yeah. <laughs> okay. You, you might know. Okay. But. Elizabeth picked between murder slash haunting or a cryptid, and she picked murder haunting. So my sources are, plus additional sources that I will cite later because I don't want to give it away quite yet. Okay. <laughs> Britannica.com, History.com, SmithsonianMag.com, Wikipedia. Sources. Well, I just said Wikipedia. No, so. but the other two were good. Smithsonian Mag is always a good source. Anyway, go ahead. Rollingstone.com. Famoustrials.com. Uh-huh. Um, I wrote history again, so I guess I used it a lot. Okay. Then, of course, with all ghost stories, TripAdvisor, Yelp. Because <laughs> Yelp are allowed to rate. .com. Uh, Yelp lets you rate how scary the ghosts were. Yes. 10best.com, usghostadventures.com, and this might give it away, bostonghost.com. No. Okay. So, it's now August, and for me, that means spooky time. Yay! I had a whole history-based episode written, and we actually recorded it once, but it doesn't feel like the right time now because... It's August. Which means you guys miss out on a really beautiful rendition of a Celine Dion song. Anyway. You did. You get this one instead. So everyone knows the age-old rhyme. I'm listening. Okay. I I just figured you'd start. I'm waiting. (laughs) Lizzie Borden took an ass. That's not where I thought you were going. But Okay. (laughs) And gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she she gave her father 41. Cute little ditty for people to jump rope to. Yes. And then, I don't know if you knew this. I forgot to write it down. So let me find it real quick. There is a second verse to that. There is. Are you saying you knew there was? or No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I, that I was a question? Sorry, okay. there is. It was a question. There was a question mark <laughs> okay. on the end of that. I couldn't quite tell. 
What's the second verse? I never knew there was a second verse. I didn't either. So it's Andrew Borden now is dead. Lizzie hit him on the head. Up in heaven he will sing. On the gallows she will swing. Well, <laughs> that I see why they had to cancel the second verse. Yeah. So now it turns out my husband has heard the rhyme but didn't know the story behind it. What the hell? Which I feel like most of these episodes start out as that. I, oh, Jesus. To be fair, he didn't grow up liking and seeking the weird, strange, and scary. Well, because he did not live a fulfilled childhood, that's why. Yes. Even though he doesn't listen to this podcast, this story is for him. <laughs> this is for you, Jacob. Um, to be fair... Our anniversary, happy three-year anniversary, will be on Wednesday when this comes out. Oh, so. so sweet. So sweet. Elizabeth gave the most tear-jerking speech I did, at my and you know what? Ever. The most amazing thing was I didn't have a word written down. I know. Which is very... I tell people that, and they're like, what? Un very <laughs> unlike me. <laughs> yes. August 4th, 1892, in Fall River, Massachusetts, Andrew and Abby Borden were found hacked to death in their home. Andrew was killed while napping on the couch. The aftermath found him lying in a pool of blood with his face nearly split in two. Abby was killed while she was cleaning the upstairs bedroom. Her head was smashed to pieces. It was determined later that Abby had been killed first. This happened in broad daylight on a busy street, one block from the city's business district. None of the pedestrians heard a thing as these murders took place. No one ever saw a suspect enter or leave the house during this time. During the early investigation, detectives couldn't find a clear motive. Although Andrew Borden possessed wealth and standing, there weren't signs of anything being taken or stolen from the house. Andrew lived modestly and never showed off his wealth that he obtained from investing in mills, banks, and real estate. Occupants of the house included Andrew's daughters, Emma and Lizzie. Emma was out of town when the murders Allegedly. happened. Allegedly. Do you talk about that? No. Oh, okay. Missed opportunity. Do you talk about any theories at all? Eh, okay, no. so I I'll... Go, I'll go into the Emma theory at the end of your story. It's okay. wild. Because I wanted to get to the hauntings, too. Fair enough. So, and the maid, Bridget Maggie Sullivan. While resting in bed, Maggie had just heard City Hall bell ring, and after confirming her clock, that it was 11 a.m. A few minutes later, she heard Lizzie, Andrew's youngest daughter, cry, Maggie, come down. Come down quick. Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. Lizzie was questioned by police officers since she was at home at the time of the murders. They recalled that some of her answers were strange and contradictory. She first reported that she heard a groan or a scraping noise or a distress call before entering the house. A gurgle, possibly. A gurgle. A squelching, as the TV likes to say. When I have closed captioning on, because I'm old. 
I have to watch shows with, I had to watch all the Conjuring movies with closed captioning on because, like, you know how the music gets super loud? Yeah. But then, like, when they're talking, if you turn the volume up, you can hear them fine, but then it starts playing the music. So I just eliminated that problem and just turned on closed captioning because I, too, am old and I can't do with, with a loud TV. <laughs> right. But just two hours later, she told officers that she had heard nothing and entered the house, not realizing anything was wrong. During questioning, officers got a bad feeling about Lizzie. She didn't shed a single tear during it. But surely a Sunday school teacher such as herself would have felt more compassion than that. When asked where her stepmother was, Lizzie recounted that Abby received a note asking her to visit a sick friend. She said that she thought Abby had returned and asked if someone could go upstairs and check on her. Adelaide Churchill, the Borden's neighbor, was over at the house to comfort Lizzie. Adelaide and Maggie made it halfway up the stairs before they were able to look into the guest room and saw Abby face down on the floor. Although investigators thought Lizzie's demeanor and ever-changing alibis were strange, no one thought to check her for bloodstains. Police did search her room, but Lizzie claimed she wasn't feeling well, so they were not able to search it properly. Police found two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head with a broken handle in the family's basement. The hatchet head was suspected of being the murder weapon, as the break in the handle appeared fresh and the ash and dust on the head appeared to have been deliberately applied to look as though it had been there for some time. Two days after the murders, papers began reporting that Lizzie might have had something to do with her parents' deaths. Eli Bentz, a clerk at S.R. Smith's drugstore in Fall River, told police that Lizzie had visited the day before the murder and tried to buy Prusik acid which is a poison. A story in the Boston Daily Globe reported rumors that Lizzie and her stepmother never got along peacefully and that for a considerable time back, they have not spoken. But family members denied that claim. A story in the Boston Herald, however, viewed Lizzie as a golden child, saying from the consensus of opinion, it can be said in Lizzie Borden's life, there is not one unmaidenly nor single deliberately unkind act. The police investigation came to the conclusion that the murders had to have been committed by someone from the home. With Emma 15 miles away on vacation, it had to have either been Maggie. Allegedly. Had to have been Maggie or Lizzie. <laughs> Sorry, I have to. You're fine. And Maggie was outside washing windows when Abby was killed. And Maggie was also resting in her room when Andrew was murdered. Okay, I'm going to interject really quick. Okay. So you said you don't go into any of the suspects or theories? No. Okay, so there is a theory, specifically this is regarding Abby, or not Abby, Maggie. Okay. Who, they called her Maggie because that's what their other maid's name was. Her real name was Bridget. Yes. And they just said, well, it'd be easier for them to call. Okay, so anyway, there's a theory that... There was some malfeasance on Andrew Borden's behalf, mm -hmm. and she was pregnant with his child, and she's the one who murdered him and his wife because of that. 
because he had essayed her. There's also... There was also, like, reports that maybe the same thing had happened to Lizzie and Emma. Yeah, there's a very... uh, A lot of people have kind of latched on to this theory that he had sexually... Trigger warning, sexually molested Emma and Lizzie Mm -hmm. as children. Their mother, their birth mother died very young, and so Emma took care of Lizzie and because she promised her mother on her deathbed that she would look after well, Lizzie. And Andrew married uh, Abby. Their, Abby, their stepmother when Lizzie was I think five. Mm-hmm. So so there's there's that theory that he was doing some terrible things to his daughters and that's what prompted them to kill him. I'm going to save I saved the Emma theory for the end. Okay. Yeah. And I also found it weird that Bridget, Maggie, she knew exactly what time, like, she was paying attention to the bells. Yeah. That's a little weird. But it sucks. Because there's also a theory that they actually did it together. Yeah. But then Lizzie's constantly changing her story. Her story. So that only left Lizzie. The judge, district attorney, and police marshal determined that Lizzie was probably guilty. So the day for the next two days was that Alice, one of Lizzie's friends from church, came and stayed with Lizzie. And there was reports of them leaving the house and going to the cellar where the hatchets and axes were. And... Mm -hmm. It's said that, like, they cleaned them. They got rid of, like, blood stains on clothing, burned clothing, like, before the police could come take anything. Well, there's also a theory, like, so uh, this allegedly really happened, that police were searching and found the burned clothing in, not the fireplace, but I guess the, in, in the basement, wherever, somewhere where they were. And I can't, their wood stove, that's what it was, the mm-hmm. wood stove, I don't know why I was leaving. And there was blood on it, and she brushed it off and said, oh, it was because of her monthly. And so, because men are terrified of periods, uh, they took her at her word. Right. <laughs> so, Lizzie was present at an inquest hearing on August 8th. She requested to have her family attorney present, but that was denied because of a state statute providing that an inquest must be held in private. During the hearing, she was given morphine to help calm her nerves, and it could be possible that her testimony was affected by this. It was said that her behavior was erratic, and she often refused to answer the simplest questions and not answering questions that would help her case. Yeah. Uh, She was constantly contradicting herself and kept changing the events of the morning. For example, she said that she was in the kitchen reading a magazine when her father arrived home. Then she said she was in the dining room doing some ironing. And then she said that she was coming down the stairs. She also claimed she removed her father's boots and put slippers on him, while police photographs clearly showed him still wearing his boots. The testimony was deemed inadmissible at her trial. 
Lizzie was arrested on August 11th, one week after the murders. The county jail became her home for the next nine months. After her arrest, women's groups rallied to Lizzie's defense, especially the Women's Christian Temperance Union and Suffragists. Lizzie's supporters protested that at trial, she would not be judged by a jury of her peers because women, as non-voters, did not have the right to serve on juries. So also with that, the time period, there was a lot of immigrants moving into Fall River and Mm -hmm. the Bordens were a really wealthy white family. So it said whenever Lizzie found Andrew that she sent Maggie to go get a doctor, but none of the doctors that were immigrants, not the Irish doctor that lived like next door, but one that lived a block away that was white. Yeah. Well, and I think it was the same doctor who it was had actually the family doctor. And, yeah, it was the family physician and he had actually treated Andrew for a stomach ailment. So there's a theory that she had been trying to Yes. Andrew was Abby. It was one of them. There's a theory she was trying to poison them and it was not taking as quickly as she had hoped. So with that, it was the reason why Maggie was resting was because she wasn't feeling good. And Mm -hmm. they were saying that it was probably because the whole family was kind of affected by it the week before. Yeah. Because they left the food out too long. Well, not only that, Andrew Borden was notoriously cheap. Yes, very frugal. And he would, like, I think that's even an understatement. Like, he would, like, they would make these stews or whatever, and they would eat on that same stew for, like, a week. Yeah. Which I, I'm not knocking leftovers. I like good leftover just as much as anybody. But, like, then they didn't have refrigeration. So it wasn't very safe to eat leftover food like that um so that's another theory is that because he was so notoriously cheap like she was tired of living like that and and that's proven with the way that she lived after yes she got her inheritance which i'll get to a little bit of it yeah don't forget emma (laughs) say she and emma both Okay, so a grand jury began hearing the evidence of this case on November 7th, and Borden was indicted on December 2nd, which is my grandma's birthday. She wasn't alive yet, though. (laughs) No. No. Before her time. During the preliminary hearing, one of Boston's most prominent defense lawyers joined the family attorney to advocate for her innocence. The small courtroom was packed with supporters of Lizzie, mostly women from the wealthy neighborhood, which was called The Hill. A Harvard chemist reported that he found no blood on the two axes and two hatchets that were recovered from the cellar by police. Two days after the murder, Lizzie turned over the dress she said she wore on the morning of August 4th, and it only had a tiny spot of blood on the hem. Her attorneys argued that the prosecution had no murder weapon or bloody clothes. As for the Prusit asset that Lizzie apparently tried to buy, it was just a common case of mistaken identity. To her supporters' delight, Lizzie was acquitted at trial, even though that was the outcome of for the trial, 
she was still considered the number one suspect in this case. Do you want to do the Emma theory? Oh, yeah. So the Emma theory is, so there's also another theory about the uncle, too. So let me go into that one first. So there's a theory that the uncle acted on his own. This uncle was their biological mother's brother. And apparently he and Andrew had some business dealings or something. And he had come to town to discuss the matter. It didn't go the way, I guess, that uncle had anticipated. And so he, uh, like, apparently snuck in, did the murdering, and then was able to sneak out. Because apparently, he, like, he returned to the home while the police were there. There's another theory that he and Lizzie acted together because of Andrew's will. Like, I guess Andrew changed his will to where... Abby and her family would inherit everything after he died. And then there's another theory that or he was going to change his will for Abby to inherit everything after he died. Um, that's why they killed him before he could change it. And then there's the Emma theory. So everyone's like, oh, it couldn't be Emma because she was 15 miles, miles away at a friend's house visiting, but she took the train there. And apparently this train had a a specific schedule that would have allowed her to take the train back. Her and Lizzie both do what they needed to do, I guess, or felt what they needed to do or they do the deed. And she would hop back on the train and leave. And here she would have this solid alibi and nobody would think that Lizzie would have killed her parents. her parents. And that kind of backfired on Lizzie. But Emma still had this, you know, allegedly solid alibi. So she was never considered a witness. So that's that's the Emma theory. So a couple months after the trial, Emma and Lizzie moved to a large Victorian house, which it's also a bed and breakfast now, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. I believe that is also. I did not cover the hauntings there. I figured we could do that at a later date. Do like a haunted bed and breakfast episode or something. Uh, Many of the people in the area and members of Lizzie's church shunned her. She eventually became a recluse while she was in town. Because of how many, like, vagrants and everything would follow her and, like... Yeah, because by all accounts, after the trial, she tried to live a normal life and, like, go to church and and go into town and do everything as her life had been prior to all of this. Yeah, and she was... She was vilified by the community. And even though she had so many supporters during the trial. And so if her sister did help her, like, that's pretty fucked up. Your sister is taking all this... Mm-hmm. But after she became a recluse, neighborhood kids still played p- pranks on her constantly. Mm-hmm. So four years after her acquittal, a warrant was issued for her arrest in Providence for shoplifting, for which she was charged yeah. and she paid a fine. So Lizzie was a kleptomaniac. Like I was hoping that you would t- talk about this because apparently she had gotten into a, a lot of trouble. Um, prior to Andrew's murder. So that's 
It could have been because Andrew was so frugal. And she also felt like she deserved more. Yeah. And that was a very big thing. She was also very racist with all the immigrants, by all accounts that I read. But she felt that she deserved more than Mm -hmm. the immigrants that were moving into the town. There are, there was, I think it was, and that's why we drink, go into the shoplifting thing a little bit Mm -hmm. deeper. Christine did a very good job, as always, because Christine's the shit. Right. Um, so the apparently Lizzie like was notorious for shoplifting in Fall River, and her father was having to constantly go to these shopkeepers and pay for the goods. And so there is another theory, like that he told her, like, I'm not gonna do this anymore. Like, get your shit together. Yeah. That's all. That's all I had to say. Okay. (laughs) So, in order to get away from the drama of her everyday life, she would often travel to Boston, New York, and Washington, D.C., and she would go out to fancy dinners and would attend the theater. Emma and Lizzie had a falling out in 1904. Emma left the house, and apparently, they never saw each other again. Yeah, never even spoke again. Nope. And they, I found this very interesting. They both died in 1927, Lizzie first, and then Emma passed nine days later. They were both buried next to their father. So this was kind of a brief history on Lizzie Borden. There is a ton more information online. I have an article. Yeah, and there's so many podcasts. Yes, that, that cover have this. covered it. Like I mentioned, and that's why we drink, uh, Christine did a very good deep dive into the actual crime itself. I think the last podcast on the left covered it. Most Notorious, which is a personal favorite of mine because it is very historically centered. Eric Rivness brings on guests and he had somebody come on who had written, you know, a book about Lizzie Borden. And so there's a very good, most notorious podcast about the Lizzie Borden case. And basically, you could probably throw a stone and you're going to find a podcast about the Lizzie, episode about the Lizzie Borden situation. I can't talk tonight. About the Lizzie Borden case. So if you're interested in finding out more, I encourage you to. And there's enough material out there. Yes. Like, Travel Channel's done. I I was kind of on the fence about doing this one because of how often it's covered, but I really yeah. wanted to do the hauntings. <laughs> no, that's totally fair. Because a lot of people don't talk about the hauntings. Yes. So that's why I just did a brief four-page history on Lizzie Borden. <laughs> a brief four-page history. <laughs> so, All right, tell me about some ghosts. So... Before we go into that, I'm going to give a brief history of the house that is on LizzieBorden.com, which I also used as a source. I didn't want to just come out and say LizzieBorden.com. Sure, no, that's fair, but he gave it away. <laughs> I honestly, do you know what I thought you were going to do? I thought you were going to do Lavinia Fisher uh-uh. because murders and then allegedly her ghost haunts the Charleston City Jail. So that's what I thought you were going to do. I would never do anything from Charleston. 
Why? Because that's your thing. <laughs> it could be your thing, too. My thing is axe murders, apparently. It is. You ha- There's a theme going. I think this is my third by myself, and then we did the... Velisca. Velisca. Yeah. Listen, it's okay. You're allowed to, to cover Charleston stories. It's not my city. I would never. I would never cover Charleston or Chicago or London. You know, I've been to London once. No way. Great city. Maybe that's why I would never cover London. That's a hurt. I love you. I'm a little drunk. Sorry. Okay. Tell me about some fucking ghosts. Well, I'm going to give a history of the house first. Tell me some history. Tell me some history. Okay, so Andrew Borden bought the home in 1872 and immediately had it remodeled from a two-tenant dwelling into a place his small family could call home. He chose the house due to its pragmatic location, a short walking distance to his businesses on Main Street, one block over. I feel like Andrew Borden would have been like, well, you know, I bought my house for $40,000. Yeah. I don't understand why you millennials can't afford to buy a house yes. today. And go ahead. And it is a very beautiful house. It's like... Yeah, it is gorgeous. Gorgeous green color. And like, if I can't find a blue house, I want a green house. And if I can't find a green house, I want a yellow house. But like a mustard yellow. Um, <laughs> I love a good mustard color. I do too. So, it sat amid other businesses, horse stables, stores, a laundry, and a makeshift restaurant. Today, the house is just as it was. The furnishings retain their rightful place. The decor has been painstakingly duplicated, and the original hardware and doors are still intact. Artifacts from the murder case are displayed, while memorabilia from the era line shelves and mantletops. A visitor is literally transported back to the morning when a perfect storm of events culminated in a double murder. So, wow! Look at that. First of all, I'm loving that ex- that that sentence. I pulled it straight from the Lizzie Borden website, so don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I was really proud of you. Don't be, because it's not my words. We okay. had a whole side conversation when. After I said it was pulled from there. But the fact that, that I didn't stumble. You... Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. Chef's kiss. So I forgot to mention during the trials, <laughs> this is so fucked up. They had actually, like during the autopsy, cut off the heads of Andrew mm-hmm. and Abby and used them as evidence in the case. Yeah. In the courthouse. And and they still have the skulls in the Fall River, or at least one of the skulls in the Fall River Museum. I'm not surprised. That is so weird. Like, I thought of it when I was talking about the memorabilia. I was like, wait, are the heads there? So it is important to mention that because that's insane. Yeah, I think I'm going to Google it, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure that there is a, that one of the skulls is at the Fall River Historical Society. Okay, so Lance Saul, who is the CEO of U.S. Ghost Adventures, who that company, U.S. Ghost Adventures, now own the Lizzie Borden house. It's not owned by Zach Bagans. No. 
Thank Christ. So Lansall has said it is haunted. Guests have experienced limbs or ears being pulled on, and they have seen figures figures moving about the rooms. A woman in a nightgown is often seen in the Andrew and Abby suite, and the figure is believed to be Abby Borden. The manager, Jarrett, has seen doors move on their own. His parents happened to be the caretakers of the Lizzie Borden house in the 1990s, and when Jarrett was there as a child, he saw a shadow figure move in the basement. Nope, don't like that. Saul explains... The new owner encountered encountered a few different things in May of 2021 when sleeping in the Bridget Sullivan room, the wind-up cat toy on the chest started to play on its own. In February, in the Andrew suite, he stayed alone in the house and heard voices, footsteps, and furniture move. Then one night, he felt a presence enter the side room he was staying in surround him, touch his leg, and pull on the comforter. No. Okay, so just a quick follow-up. I was wrong. They have photos of the skulls. Okay. The Fall River Historical Society is very adamant they were never a repository for the skulls, that the skulls were buried with Andrew and Abby Borden. That's fair. So. It is also common to see the rocking chair move back and forth on its own. Witnesses have observed the chair moving a few feet across the floor and to a group of guests. Believers claim the house is haunted by everyone, including Abby and Andrew, Lizzie, who splits her time between this house and the house she lived at after the trial on French Street. She's the Marilyn Monroe Fall River. Yes. (laughs) And... And two children who were murdered by their mother at a house next door in 1848. So okay. a side note on the history of the two children sourced from Lizzie Borden, warpsandwefts.com. Lodwick Borden was Lizzie Borden's great uncle. Lodwick had four wives, which wasn't uncommon for the time because women often died in childbirth Mm -hmm. or from other complications from childbirth. His second wife, Eliza Darling Borden, killed two of her three kids and then died by suicide. It is often blamed today on untreated postpartum depression. She had all three kids in rapid succession. So it was just one right after the other. As it was kind of normal. Because, you know, no birth control. Right. Your only birth control was not doing it. Mm-hmm. Details of her death have changed over time. But most versions say that she went upstairs in her house, which is right next door to the present-day Borden house. When she was 37 and sliced her throat with Lodwick's straight razor after she dropped her children in the cellar cistern. And that takes a lot to cut your own throat. So she had, I couldn't find for certain, I think she dropped all three of her children down and one survived, but she might have only done two there is one surviving daughter, Maria, 
but the other two were boys who were killed. It's a terrible mm. story that I had That's no awful. idea. And the fact it was said that there because of this murder, madness ran in the family, even though she was only aborted by marriage. Yeah. So because she was a woman, that was all. Right. But it's a whole thing and it's very sad. So people who stay at the boarding house often leave toys out for these children in the guest rooms and declare they can hear childish laughter and sounds of play on the second and third floors. They're also very commonly heard like in the uh, all. the Bridget slash Maggie Sullivan room. One TripAdvisor review said, I was told that if you leave money on the dresser, Andrew Borden will leave you alone at night. If you select this room and would like to be left alone, I suggest you leave money. How much money are we talking? A dollar? A quarter? <laughs> Just the loose change in your pocket or at the bottom of your purse? Sure. <laughs> I mean, this is what I need to know if I ever go stay there. But don't you want a ghostly encounter if you stay there? Isn't that not the whole? By a cr- my, not by that creep. Oh, that's fair. Stay in a... Stay in Bridget's room. That way you get the ghost children. Oh, because that's not alarming. (laughs) Dead children aren't funny. And ghost children are terrifying. Because they're demons. Yes. It's never ghost children. It's always demons. (laughs) The house was featured on our favorite show, Ghost Adventures, in (laughs) 2012. It's also been featured on Ghost Hunters. Yes. Let me just say that as well. Which, of course it was. and Of course it was. <laughs> the featured tour guide claimed the ghost <gasps> of Andrew Borden punched her in the back. Oh, no. I'm thinking I'm going back to Velisca where he laid down and was like, axe yeah. me in the head. Yeah. No, I was going back to Velisca. Yeah, I'm no. like, I feel like this is the episode where he tried to get himself axed in the head. But no, no that was Velisca. It was. God, he's a <laughs> fucking moron. Okay. So... Another TripAdvisor reviewer said, while in the Andrew and Abby room alone sitting on the bed, I felt the bed move as if someone sat on it. One Yelp don't like that. review claimed, before going to bed, the lamp had turned off on its own three times. We confirmed with one of the workers the next morning that the lamp was not a motion sensor nor on a timer. There was a little music box on top of a chest that decided to start going off. Mm -mm. We didn't even know it was there. We purchased the ghost hunter box and the EMF meter was constantly going off like crazy. First of all, that's genius. Yes. To sell ghost hunter boxes. Yes. I wonder if the Lump Mansion does that. Now, I know they host ghost tours, but I'm wondering if they offer a box that you could... They should be telling you. Yes. Million dollar idea. Anybody from the Lent Mansion listening, I'm going to tweet at them. Yes. Do that and we get part of the profits. Yeah. TM, TM, TM. Yes. I decided to play around with the dousing rods. And every time I asked a question, I felt something pull at the rods attempting to move them. What gave me chills is that when I asked who killed the Borden family, it stopped. I felt no pulling or anything. But when I asked a different questions, 
sorry, a different question, they moved immediately to answer. In the night, I woke up around two-ish to hear a childish laugh coming from the opposite end of the room. Nope. In the mm-hmm. morning, no, as... No, you didn't. I don't like that. <laughs> sorry, I don't like that at all. <laughs> in the morning, as we were preparing to leave, my AirPods fell out of my pocket and they slowly started to slide across the floor back to me. I got very excited and thanked whoever did that. Why are you thinking a demon? They gave them back their AirPods. I mean, they're not super expensive, but they're not cheap. (laughs) They're not like Beats headphones, but they're not cheap. The Lizzie Borden. I have Samsung. uh, I have Skull Candy, but I have to have an adapter to plug it into my iPhone. (laughs) iPhone Mm. sucks. You made a choice. A choice was made. It was. And I can't go back to Android now. I'm sorry. Loser. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. The Lizzie Borden house is open seven days a week. They have a 90-minute house tour, a 90-minute ghost tour, and a ghost hunt that you can book. You can also stay the night in the house in one of their six rooms. There is even an option to reserve the entire house as well for hmm. any event you wish. You can get married there if you want. So if you're in Fallbrook, like – Get Fall married. Huh? Fall River, not Fallbrook. Fall I think Fallbrook's a place in California. I could be wrong. Fall River. <laughs> Get married there and send us the pictures so we can try and spot any ghosts. Yeah, and I really need somebody to get married at the little mansion so I could see a wedding there. I really wanted to get married there and it was too expensive. I could have got married at the Queen Mary, but... Jake and I almost broke up because of that ship. So, <laughs> oh well, you could have done uh, the Whaley House. Too far. Oh yeah, that's right. That's in San Jose, isn't it? No, it's in San Diego. But it there we go. It's like an hour and a half, which doesn't seem far. But if there's traffic, it could be like three hours to San Diego. Though we could take the train. I love a good train ride. So, yeah. Um, Whaley House, a story for another time. Story for another time. So, yeah, that's what I have on the haunting of Lizzie Borden House. And like I said, maybe we'll do like a joint haunted bed and breakfast and do Lizzie's other part-time haunting. Hmm. Well done. Thank you. I did not see that one coming. Yeah. I was... Very pleasantly surprised. I don't know why I thought you were doing Lavinia Fisher. I think because we had talked about her before. Yeah. That's the only reason why I was like, I bet that's what she's doing. And that's something she knows that I would do. Yeah. It. I don't know. I thought as soon as I said the word rhyme, you were going to chime in with it. That's why it kind of stopped. I was waiting for you to do it. But we're not as in sync as I thought. Um. Listen. <laughs> Can we blame COVID? Sure. <coughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I started a book, um, speaking of murdering ladies, um, on Audible. I'm having it read to me because I need something to listen to at my new job. It's called In the Garden of Spite. And it's about, do you want to guess which murdering lady it's about? Oh, God. Um, Bellagunas. I'll give you. Yes, I was going to say our favorite catfish. <laughs> 
I am not sure how I feel about this book. Okay. They're taking a it's it's historical fiction. Right. And it's very it's very interesting. I'm going to give you my thoughts after I complete it. Okay. But just know fellow besties, uh this is out there. Okay. Is there aliens? No aliens. Possession. No. Wow. No possession. Okay. I'll wait until you're done. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Woo. So next week, Elizabeth will have an episode for us. And then after that one, we'll have our intermission. Yes. So. And I, yeah, I got to figure out what I'm doing. I can't do murder because, again, that Adam Walsh thing was really hard for me. So I need a, a oh. mental health break from that. Well, I can text you what I want. Yeah, text me. Text, give me an idea. Okay. Okay. It's one that I think you might have started or you at least thought about starting. Okay. So. So that's what we got for y'all. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Sorry for the thing last week, but it's fine. Yeah. Sorry for skipping last week. It was rough. I had kids start in school and I did it was too. a whole thing. School so, clothes shopping. Yeah. Being all the parents things. sucks. Eh. It's it's wonderful, but just yes. the, the chaos that comes with it, not yes. always great. So, all right, besties. Thank you. All right. Thank you, besties. Bye.